Aaron Glenn, I mean, what kind of athlete and team guy are you if you can play corner in the National Football League for 15 years? (laughs) Do it well. I mean, that's insane, right? Usually corners hit the wall about 27, 28 years old. Maybe, you know, you have your exceptions, obviously, but generally speaking, I love AG. I think AG is, uh, he's a leader. I think when... the defense was struggling. He hung in there. Guys believed they kept getting better. We had, I think at one time, five rookies on the field, uh, plus second-year guys with rookies, two free agents, rookie free agents. He'll he'll coach no matter the circumstances, no matter the, the standard. But if you think of AG and you think of Dan Campbell, okay, so the grandfather would be Bill Parcells. The father would be Sean Payton. And with Dan Campbell and AG, you got to think, okay, well, they're the sons. I mean, they're very similar in mindset. That is former uh, NFL linebacker Chris Spielman, now a uh, special assistant to the owner and CEO for the Detroit Lions, giving his take to uh, Wolf and Luke on Aaron Glenn, yet another head coaching candidate for the Arizona Cardinals. As we have uh, reached week three now of the Cardinals coaching search since uh, Cliff Kingsbury was fired following the uh, season. And I started to think about it because, and I've hinted at this, and it just, maybe you agree, maybe you don't, Pick. It seems like this coaching search is kind of dragging, not only in Arizona, but league-wide, when you got five openings and none of them have been filled. Yeah, I don't but know. But I went back and I looked at it, and this is kind of par for the course. Yeah, yeah, last, I mean, last year, there was 10 head coaches hired. The first ones that were hired came on January 27th when the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. Oh! And the uh, Bears hired Machu Eberflus. Machu Eberflus. And then Brian Dayball got hired by the Giants on the 28th. Specifically to the Cardinals, over their last four coaching searches, going all the way back to 07 when they fired Dennis Green and hired Ken Wisenhunt. Yeah. Uh, so that was a span of 13 days before the hiring. When they fired Wisenhunt and brought in Bruce Arians, that was 18 days. And if you remember, Bruce Arians was the last coach hired in that cycle back in 2013. Uh, when they uh, Arians announced he was resigning on January 1st, 21 days to hire Steve Wilkes. All right. And then when Steve Wilkes was fired, the quickest turnaround, a nine-day turnaround. Cliff Kingsbury was hired on January 8th. 2019, because and, he had no ties to the yeah. NFL. Well, and that's right. And also, I think there might have been a heightened sense of urgency, as Jared pointed out, because that was the year the Cardinals had the number one overall pick in the draft. But you remember, Josh was their guy. It, Josh <laughs> Ro- Rosen. Um, yeah, no, Josh was their guy. Was. So, yeah, so to me, yeah, I think all that is, is very interesting. And yet, I think it's also somewhat natural because teams are still alive in the playoffs. Teams that are in the playoffs have guys that other teams might want. They want to poach culture. You know what I mean? And it's kind of, it's a copycat league. So there's always that element that kind of keeps the coaching market alive. I, I do think that Sean Payton... Um, Part of this is is kind of holding it up because he is, I think, quite clearly the big get in the coaching market, mm-hmm. especially now that Jim Harbaugh is going back to Michigan. And, and so, as I said earlier, the fact that Jim Harbaugh went to Denver and everybody uh, associated with the Denver media all said the same thing, that the, the rumblings from both sides were, wow, there's a lot of mutual interest here. This should not be – this is going to get done – 
that they're they're saying in Denver now that the Walton family has no issue paying Sean Payton. They have no issue giving up the capital that it might take to satisfy the Saints. And Russell Wilson is not only on board, he actively wants this guy to come in. The reports are that Russell Wilson knows he needs to be fixed. Okay, so if that's the case, what's stopping Sean Payton from saying, all right, let's let's do that contract right now? It's because he's waiting to see if he's got better options. So why would that be? Because he either is a little wonky on the ownership, which I don't think would be the case here, or he's wonky about the quarterback, which I probably think is very much the case here. Yeah, because... Look, there's a lot of uncertainty with the Cardinals, and a lot of it stems from the quarterback position. If Kyler Murray was healthy, there would be questions. He's not healthy right now. There's no timetable for his return as of yet. He had surgery on January 3rd, so three weeks into recovery. But there's no timetable. We don't know if, if Kyler Murray's going to be ready to go in September. We don't know if it's October, November. We don't know when he's returning. You know, this is not a league anymore, Bick, where even the, the top flight coaches come in and they get a lot of leeway. You're coming off a four-win season. You're making a splash. You want a quick turnaround. Quick turnarounds are very possible in the NFL. The uncertainty around Kyler Murray on a couple of different fronts makes this you don't know. You don't know how quick a, a turnaround can actually no. happen in Arizona. Well, yes, I think that's very true. But but then if I think if you're Sean Payton, you're kind of you're thinking long term as well as short term. And I, and I think the thing with Sean Payton, uh, when he looks at Russell Wilson, that would have me concerned. It's not only can you fix the guy, because I'm sure he sees things on film that he can do. But how how amenable is Russell Wilson to actually being told you need to do this now you need to be this you need because i the self-awareness with russ seems to be an issue yes um on the cardinals front did you see mike sandos piece on the athletic where he talked to people around the league and uh in his own research ranked the top the 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 five coaching openings in the nfl Mm -hmm. and with the formula that he used that considered cap space quarterback um, you know, the age of offensive and defensive players and mm-hmm. things along those lines. He had the Cardinals as the fifth most attractive job which opening. Is, which is odd because the Cardinals have a decent amount of cap space going forward and they have the number one pick. But yeah. They've also got a very, very old offense. They do. They have the oldest yeah. offensive uh-huh. uh, players in the league. Uh, not the same case on defense, but one of the executives that Mike Sando talked to in that piece said, quote, Arizona has an older roster in the Kyler Murray contact injury situation to deal with. I don't know how much better Kyler can be. He might have hit his ceiling and will always be limited by his size and an unwillingness to stand in there and get hit. Yeah, that's uh, that ladder seems to be that ladder criticism seems to be getting sharper and sharper with time and not better and better with time. And and I think it's again, you, you see what is expected and demanded and exalted at that level. Patrick Mahomes are watching highlights right now, uh, hobbling around a football field, but not wanting to leave under any circumstances. That's that's what people expect from mm-hmm. that position, mm-hmm. from that leadership, from that quarterback, well, and all the, that. You know, the revelation that Josh yeah. Allen played with a bad elbow pretty much all year. Yeah. And, 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 and didn't compromise yes. his, his style of play yes. in the least. Yes. And, and so if there is not a... so, And I guess the question really becomes is, what does the long-term offense look like for a guy who's that adverse to getting hit? And that's, I think, those are fair questions. 
I they've been fair questions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's evident when you watch watch him play. Yeah. And I, you don't think the willingness to get hit is going to grow after you suffer a torn ACL. No. Just common sense. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Suns have won three in a row. Are they indeed back? Although they're still shorthanded. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Tuesday, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, just, yeah, we definitely need it. Come home, get this home stretch. Um, it's just the trust and confidence and getting guys back is, is great. Um, yeah, it's just once you get that winning feel, it's, it's, it's contagious. And it's just, we all have, we all feel it and we all know what that, that feeling is. And since we went in three, we just, we just want to keep it going, keep going. Got a lot of catching up to do. Mikel Bridges of the Suns following uh, Sunday night's win over the Memphis Grizzlies. By, by the way, did you see Memphis got smacked in Sacramento last night, too? How about that? Yeah, they're quite on, they're quite on a, uh, a heater, aren't they? John Morant took, took the <laughs> night off. <laughs> yeah, no, listen. Yeah, that's that team is, um, yeah, they're learning some tough lessons right yeah, now. Yeah, but they had won 11 straight. They've lost three in a row yeah. now. Suns have won three in a row. Mm-hmm. Mikel Bridges there saying winning is contagious. Hopefully that's the only thing that's contagious because DeAndre Ayton continues to be ill. Wink, and, quote, <laughs> ill, and um, And look, we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. Like what, A little more than two weeks away from the trade deadline. February 9th is when that happens. And uh, I think back in the fall, Bick, when, when we got the, the news on Jay Crowder that he wasn't going to be around the team, we thought this would be taken care of by now. I don't know if you get a chance to read John Hollinger's piece in The Athletic. John was just here in Arizona. He was at the Grizzlies game against the Suns on Sunday night, and he kind of focused on the Jay Crowder thing. And he talked about you know it, those, those beginning-of-the-season deals are very hard to make. Nobody wants to make a deal at the beginning of the year. That's why Jay Crowder is still a member of the Suns. But he also outlined the difficulty um, in making a deal uh, of this magnitude when you have a player like Jay Crowder. Um, and, you know, could the Suns loop in other players on this roster right now to try to unload Jay Crowder? Will they have to give up draft picks uh, to get rid of Jay Crowder? These are all possibilities that Hollinger went into. But, you know, Dario Sharic is a guy with an expiring contract, $9.4 million on the books. He could be moved. Landry Shamit's on the books for $10 million. Yeah. And I know the oh, Suns man. like Landry Shamit. I think the Suns. More than anybody else does, the by Suns the way. The Suns fan base has reached its boiling point with Landry Shamit. Well, I, I just don't know. I really, all, all this time later, I still don't understand what the fuss is here. And and this uh, keep in mind, this is a guy they paid sight unseen. And this is an organization that has waited and refused to pay DA and can't. Cam Johnson. So I, I, I've never quite understood the, the love affair between this team and Landry Shamit. Different magnitude of deals. Well, quite yeah, I mean, 10 million 10 as opposed million, to right. yeah, but still, 20 or 30. I, yeah, but I mean, you could spend that on, on, on really anybody. And so, you know what? I think the Suns are weird like this. They've done a lot. James Jones in particular is, has done in the big picture a lot of really good things that command a lot of respect. And we understand that the culture probably doesn't change without 
about him. Uh, but they've also done a lot of really goofy things, this regime, like abolishing their G League team and, and, and not drafting and scouting in traditional ways and, and leaving themselves exposed like that. Now let's get to Dario Saric, who's in the midst of a good, le- a, a, a good uh, stretch of play here. And it's you wonder, OK, wh- why is this franchise? Why have they sat on him the way they have? He can be a really valuable contributor if you use him the right way. And yes. he's made that very clear. But there are so many matchups in today's NBA where a guy like Dario Saric, even though he's got size and he's got ability to to, to make plays offensively and, and shoot the ball a little bit, but defensively he's you know he's slow. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's slow of yeah, foot. Right. But I thought Dario looked as good as he's looked since the injury the other night against Memphis. I thought he looked fantastic. And, and again, I I think you understand what Dario Saric is. I mean, he never has been a good defensive player. He's always been sort of lunky and slow of foot, but but that doesn't mean he can't be a real effective player and I think mm-hmm. he's been that guy at times for the Suns. And he's he was that guy the last game. Well, he hit the two big free throws that stretched the lead out and made the the, the last deal at the end of the game, but Yeah. Dario was only in the game at that point because Landale and Biombo had both fouled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it could have changed the strategy. Could have changed if you're wanting free throw shooters on on the floor. Biombo obviously is not going to be on the floor in that situation, and maybe not Landale too because Charge is a better shooter. Uh, but yeah, um, these are all things that could change in the next couple weeks for the Suns, uh, and they are in a real stretch of winnable games. They, they, this could be, despite the fact that they're still so short-handed, Bick, this could be a, a season-altering winning streak if they continue to handle their business. You've got a bad team in Charlotte coming in. Uh, you got a game against San Antonio coming up. Dallas uh, is the next home game on Thursday. They're That'll not be playing a tough well. Game. Yeah, it's winnable, always tough right? because you're dealing with Luca, but uh-huh. you know they've had some injuries that they're dealing with recently. You got a Toronto team that you mentioned earlier in the show, and a lot of people around the NBA have, you know, put the microscope on them as a team that could blow things up. It seems like them and Chicago are, are the two teams in the East that could really unload some, yeah. some assets. Yeah, from Fred Van Vliet to Gary Trent Jr. Uh, again, they'd be dumb to unload Pascal Siakam. But I've heard that I've heard his name mentioned. I I don't know how I don't know how deep they want to go. Yeah, I mean, they're years removed from that title now, yeah. and they've had these players in place for a while. And I know the stance was for a while too. Hey, we don't want to trade. We don't want to trade Scotty Barnes, but anybody else could be had. Throw OG Ananobi into that mix yeah, too. Right. He's another really nice player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of plate spinning for the Phoenix Suns right now. And uh, Monty Williams talked about uh, you know this stretch that they're in, winning three in a row, beating Memphis on whether or not he believes it's a turning point for the season. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to get happy on the farm about all that stuff. I, I, I think you know Cam's got to get a, a rhythm. Last game he came back, he was lighting it up. Tonight he couldn't buy one. I, I, that's for the course when you first get back. I think this group has to play together a bit more. You know, not to mention we didn't have DA tonight. You know, I think if we have DA, some of the finishing around the basket and we probably get to the free throw line a bit more just because they were switching a lot and he typically punishes those types of defenses. So I think once we get everybody playing together and then, you know, sooner or later we're going to add Book back to the mix, I think it just takes time to get a team rhythm. Them. You got Saban out there playing with D. Lee and Ish, and th- that group—they've had about that much time together. So I think it takes us—it's going to take us a minute to find a team rhythm 
once we do, I think we can be pretty good. Yeah, still no DA tonight out again. Landry Shamit yeah. continues to be out, as do Cameron Payne and, and Devin Booker. Don't underestimate the new owner effect on this basketball team. The very, very basic humanistic instinct to impress a new boss. Mm-hmm. It's in it's in effect with the Phoenix Suns. Yes, it is. Uh, it's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Last Monday, Arizona Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz, mascot Big Red, and the host of ABC's Good Morning America, surprised 12-year-old Gilbert resident Julia Crossley and announced that she will be this year's NFL Play 60 Super Kid and will be the official ambassador during Super Bowl week in the Valley. Uh, Julia uh, was uh, will be honored on the broadcast during the second half of Super Bowl 57 at State Farm Stadium and will also serve as a kid correspondent for Good Morning America during the week leading up to the game. That's pretty cool. Uh, where she will attend the Super Bowl experience and interview players and celebrities on the red carpet at NFL Honors. Julia was selected due to her passion for creating a healthier environment in her school, having been become a leader in the Fuel Up to Play 60 program and volunteering in the community. Well done, Julia. Well done, Zach Ertz. Big Red and Good Morning America. Character Counts presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical is looking for their next student athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Text CHARACTER to 620-620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell helps us get caught up on the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. A very happy Tuesday to you here on Bickley Emirata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every single day at this time, we get you caught up on all the things you need to know in Arizona sports and beyond. So I am Sarah Cazell taking you through those stories with Dan Bickley. Hey. Hey, Vince Marotta. What do you want? Just to answer some questions, that's all. (laughs) And Jarrett Carlin. One day... Charles will somehow, maybe unwittingly, or maybe wittingly, inspire some other nut to end my life. What? <laughs> do you remember that whole thing? I do. Yes. yes. No, I don't remember that thing. I try to listen to that man as little as possible. How many years ago were we talking? I think it was last year, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah, I said yeah. Charles Barkley was... Was responsible for death threats he was getting. His wife oh, was that's concerned. right. Yeah, okay. I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, Charles Barkley's the nut there, yeah, for sure. Right. Okay. All right, Let, enough about that guy. Uh, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals and Sean Payton, the, yes. the highly coveted coaching candidate in this hiring cycle. We Basically, at this time yesterday, we were saying, well, that was fun. They got granted an interview. They're not actually going to have one. Oh, well. Uh, and then Howard Balzer. How, wait, how do you say his Howard, last name, Jarrett? How's it go, Jarrett? Howard Balzer. <laughs> it's so stupid, but I love it so much. He reported after yesterday's show that the Super Bowl winning coach will indeed interview with the Cardinals in person on Thursday. Here's Ian Fitzsimmons on ESPN Radio last week surmising that most of Peyton's interviews, he has done three so far, by the way, the Cardinals will be his fourth. They've only been about driving up his price. He's not actually interested in all these teams he's talking to. Sean Payton is playing the game as you should. 
And that is, it, look, he and his agent are going to entertain any team that wants to give up a, a, a minimum of a first-round draft pick because he's still literally un- under contract with the New Orleans Saints to increase his market value. Denver, if you want him, oh, he's in Houston right now talking to the Texans. Well, Broncos, you want him and all that, you know, Walmart money? Oh, he's in Carolina today talking to the Carolina Panthers. He's playing the game perfectly. All right, so is this interview with the Cardinals part of the game? Or could he actually be interested? Again, explain to me what the game is. It's not like Sean Payton needs additional interest. It's not like Sean (laughs) Payton needs to remind people he's available. And uh, from what I've been told, it's not like Sean Payton needs to drive up how much the Broncos are willing to pay him. So I don't know what the game would be. That 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 to me is that's like a lazy take to me. So but this interview with the Cardinals, you think is legitimate? I, I don't know what it is. That's that's what has got me so interested. In an attempt to create a bidding war, if the if the Broncos are willing to pay it, could another team be desperate enough to match or surpass what the Broncos are willing to do? Yeah, and if you're okay, the Broncos, maybe. but then does that mean you don't want the Broncos? And if you don't want the Broncos' job, then you pretty much are still up for grabs. Yeah. Because you would think that the Broncos wouldn't even let that interview happen if they really wanted. Them, just lock them down. Yeah. Lock them down before Thursday. It's, it's got to be the quarterback. The quarterback in Denver has got to be has got to be holding Sean Payton back. Mm. Got to be. Kyler Otherwise, it'd be Russ. done. It would be done. Because okay. because they're giving him everything else he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan Quinn is on the table as well for the Arizona Cardinals. Tom Pelissero reported this morning before the show started that the Cardinals are actually going to fly Dan Quinn in tonight for his second interview with the team. He did a virtual interview over the weekend, and now he'll have an in-person interview as well. Let's take Sean Payton off the table again, as we've done a couple times now. What level of interest would you have in Dan Quinn as the Cardinals coach? I got a lot of interest in Dan Quinn as the coach. He's got experience. He's a good defensive mind. He's taken a team to a Super Bowl. Uh, he's in demand. I think Dan Quinn is also, you know, with this Sean Payton thing happening in Denver and this connection. Is it not a connection? Dan Quinn was very high on their list, maybe as high as number two on their candidate list last year when they hired Nathaniel Hackett. He's interviewed there again. The familiarity might be uh, a plus for hey, him. Hey again. Uh, in, 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 yeah, in, in that uh, in that instance. Uh, but, yeah, if, if the Arizona Cardinals ended up with Dan Quinn, I think they could do a lot worse as, as, with a head coach. Yeah, I, I feel that way. I, okay. I, I think that um, I wouldn't necessarily be against it. It's not my first choice. Fair enough. All right, let's get to the NBA. Moving right along, folks. We had a trade yesterday that apparently could have involved the Phoenix Suns, but it did not. The Wizards sent Rui Hachimura to the Lakers for Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks. And after the trade went down, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski said the Suns had been in the mix until the night before yesterday. There were discussions as late as last night uh, that included bigger trades than just a two-way deal with L.A. I was told uh, that there were some three-way talks that would have involved Phoenix, uh, but those larger trade discussions fell by the wayside and then L.A. and Washington this morning uh, zeroed in on the deal that they ultimately landed on. Rui Hachimura uh, for Kendrick Nunn and those three second-round picks. Okay, here's the Athletics' uh, Shams 
Charania, I should say, with similar information. For the Wizards, this really opened up a logjam at forward. Uh, now they're going to be in a much better position to re-sign Kyle Kuzma. The three finalists for Hachimura, I'm told, were the Lakers, as well as the Pacers and Phoenix Suns. So this is a deal that was in the makings for a while. Okay, okay. Yesterday at 11.19 a.m., Jay Crowder tweeted, Hourglass emoji, clock emoji, hourglass emoji. Maybe he's like a Days of Our Lives fan. I don't know. And it's on around that time. the hourglass emoji was full and just beginning to, to empty. The last one was just about empty. Wow. That's right. There was even more to it, Dan Bickley. Uh, Bick's emoji game is oh, yeah. bananas. Sick. Bananas. <laughs> bananas. <laughs> Banana emoji. Do you still believe that the Suns can make an impactful trade involving Jay Crowder? I sure hope so. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, all due respect to Jay Crowder, who's been a very frustrating figure in Arizona sports this year. I'm tired of talking about him. Yes. It's ama- I, we, yeah, it's a really it's really amazing how Suns fans went celebrating went oh. from celebrating the FJ Crowder t-shirt to subscribing to it. <laughs> that's, that's a great well line. Well said. Seriously, he he really flipped the uh, conversation about him in the, just yeah. a few months. Yeah. And I know a lot of people there were there were really Hachimura trade rumors for about a month. And a lot of Suns fans are like, yeah, we can get right, more. That's not overvaluing Jay Crowder to the yeah. point. Yeah. Rui Hachimura just had his second 30-point game this month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one of them came against the Suns. Yeah, that, and indeed. both of them came in less than 30 minutes indeed. of playing time. He could put the ball in the hole. Yes. Okay, so he's now an L.A. Laker. Yay. Yay. Who do you think the Suns, if they can get someone of value out of Jay Crowder, who should they go after? What kind of player should they go after? Somebody who's going to show up to work and actually help his team win a game. It's a pretty low barrier for me. Somebody who's not going to collect a paycheck by sitting on a couch. Are you Are you in the literally anyone will do camp? Or are you not quite there yet? I'm pretty much there. Somebody who's going to contribute to the rotation. Yeah, I yeah, I, it's it's gone on to the point where yeah, you're just looking for somebody with with functional skills that fit that fit a need and and the sons of a few of them. So yeah, I'm just I'm just ready for it to be over. Are you guys tired of talking about this? Yes. Yeah, I yeah, sense it's it. it's not it, it's not that I, it, the, the limbo has just gone on for so long. Yes. And, and look, now the trades are starting to happen a little bit. Hopefully, they're all going to happen. Yeah, the first domino fell. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done. The limbo this long since my last luau, babe. Babe, yeah, thank you, Sarah. We're all rebooted. Rush, y'all rebooted everywhere. Luau. <laughs> I have. Oh, how do you feel about roasted pig? Oh <laughs> my god, it really is as delicious as they say. <laughs> Succulent. Uh huh. Rush hour reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, we'll get the insight on another coaching candidate who's coming in for a second interview with the Cardinals, Dan Quinn. We'll talk to Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN.com next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search, update, update, update. Cardinals continuing interviews among the candidates they will be talking with. Another interview with Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn here to talk about uh, Dan Quinn as a candidate and other Cowboys items. He covers the Cowboys for ESPN.com. Todd Archer joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Todd, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. 
Yeah, no problem, guys. How we doing? Doing well. Uh, Dan Quinn as a candidate. We know uh, you know a lot about him because of his time as a head coach in the league with Atlanta. Highly coveted, uh, and you know did a good job in Dallas. Did a good job in Seattle for years as the defensive coordinator. What are the odds? Whether it's Arizona or somewhere else, what are the odds in your mind, Todd, that uh, Dan Quinn is a head coach again in twenty twenty three? I would put the money on that he's a head coach somewhere uh, other than Dallas. Uh, uh, in 2023, uh, he went through this dance last year and stayed. Uh, Jerry Jones altered his contract and, and and made it worth his while to stay. But you know, there are only so many opportunities you get to be a head coach, and um, I know he'd like to be a head coach again, and it has to be the right opportunity. But it seems like he's gonna ha- he could have a, a pick of where he wants to go, and just the odds tell you that he's. It would be difficult from the pass up opportunities mm-hmm. two straight years. People have done it in the past, um, but I, I just think it would be difficult difficult for him to pass up the opportunity. I've uh, I've read a lot of Cowboy fans imploring the team to fire Mike McCarthy and give the job to Dan Quinn now, and that's probably the sign of a really good coordinator when the fan base really wants to keep him that much. Um, wh- what kind of jo- job has Dan Quinn done in Dallas with that defense to sort of uh, create that sort of reputation? Outstanding job. I mean, you look at the Cowboys defense in 2020, they're out of franchise record uh, in points. They, they were just exploited everywhere. And then he comes in. Now they changed some scheme, uh, changed some players that helped. Uh, but what Dan Quinn did in his two years here, the Cowboys were the first de- defense to lead the NFL in takeaways two straight years since the steel curtain defense of the 70s. Uh, they, they morphed into a top 10 defense. In yards and points. Um, now, he, he added some pretty good pieces with, with Michael Parsons being at the top of the list as a first-round pick. But to me, the most impressive part of what Dan Quinn did was he changed his M.O. He changed him himself. Uh, when he was in Seattle, when he was in Atlanta, they were a single-high defense, and that's pretty much all they played. He came to the Cowboys, and he changed it up. He, he, he used that time away after he got fired by Atlanta to look at how he can be better. And it wasn't just, hey, you double down on what you know and what you do best. He added more things to his package, a lot more man coverage, uh, a lot more, I don't want to say a lot more, but more too high coverage, things like that. And, you know, he's, he's always been a good pressure guy up, up front. It helps that you've had Micah Parsons. It helps that you have Trayvon Diggs, Diggs on the back end. But, you know, a lot of those guys remain from that defense in 2020 that was so bad. He did a great job of just changing their mindset and making them more aggressive and, and, and turning them around into one of the better defenses in the league. Todd Archer covers the Cowboys for ESPN.com. Our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You talked about it earlier, Todd, when you said Dan Quinn went through this dance last year, and I know the Denver Broncos had him very high on their preference list. They went with Nathaniel Hackett. He's a candidate in Denver again. You've covered the NFL for a long time. When you read the tea leaves on how this coaching cycle is going, do you see uh, a better chance of Quinn in Denver, better chance of Quinn in Arizona, or somewhere else as you size it up right now? I, I would say Denver because I know he has a close relationship with George Payton, the the GM, uh, f- for years, uh, and that was one of the things that it, that had a lot of people connecting the dots there uh, last year. And no offense, the roster in Denver, especially defensively, mm-hmm. is a lot better, right? And, and so he'd be he'd be coming into a pretty good system now. He'd have to offensively, he'd have to figure out what is Russell Wilson and what is left for him. 
Well, Dan Quinn was with Russell Wilson in Seattle, now on the other side of the ball in an early part of Russell's career. But there's a relationship that they have already that maybe would help get Russell back onto the path of being a competent quarterback again after what we saw this season. Um, Arizona, you have Kyler coming back from the injury. Uh, a lot of questions about the, you know, are they keeping Hopkins? What's going to happen there? Uh, to me, it, it, the better job right now will probably be Denver. Although you look, you got to go through Mahomes, you got to go through Herbert. Uh, you, you look at that division, and you say, huh, maybe. And if who knows is going to be the quarterback in in Vegas? Mm-hmm. But the, maybe if you look at the divisions, you'd think a little bit differently. Uh, but I, I think Denver would probably have the leg up. What have you noticed about the leadership component of Dan Quinn? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I mentioned like how he changed himself and his M.O. and what, how he runs the defense, but it's really how he makes the guys believe and how he does lead, and um, th- that's what all these guys talk about. You know, Jaron Curse is a guy that bounced around the league for a little bit before he got to Dallas, and he said, this guy changed my career. He, he, he believed in me when other people didn't, and Jaron Curse has been one of the Cowboys' best defenders as a safety the last two seasons. So that's kind of what Dan does. He, he gets guys to believe in themselves. He's a tremendous leader for, for that defense, and really he did a good job. Honestly, yeah, you know, sometimes he's, you can operate in silos and NFL locker rooms, but he was a guy that – you know, would talk to the offensive players, was involved in a lot of different things. And everybody in that room, offense, defense, special teams, had a high respect for Dan Quinn because he made himself available to everybody. He didn't say, hey, I'm just the defensive guy. He had the whole the whole room believing in what he was doing. And just the, besides changing what he was as a coordinator and how he operated, I think his leadership skills is probably right up there with that with that trait, too. I'm talking with Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys from ESPN.com here on uh, Arizona Sports. Moving away from Dan Quinn for a second, the playoff exit from the Cowboys. Lots of reaction when the Cowboys fall short of a Super Bowl, which is kind of a common occurrence these these days. But, 27 uh, years in a row. Yeah, and, and counting. <laughs> uh, the, the blame pinned, and we get why it happens, Todd. Dak Prescott, obviously a very highly paid quarterback, hasn't had the playoff results. Two more turnovers in the loss to San Francisco. But it seems like a lot of the Cowboys fan base and even the Cowboys official Twitter account kind of pointing the finger at Dak Prescott. In, in your mind, is is that entirely fair? Entirely fair? Probably not. But that's what comes with playing the position here. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like Tony Romo is not going to be crying for Dak because he went through the same thing all those years, too. Uh, that's just what it is. You're compared to Staubach and Aikman. And when you don't live up to what those guys did, it's your fault. Entirely? Probably not. But again, the interceptions in that game, Dak said it after game, they're 100% on him. Yeah. You just can't have those decisions in the big games. Brock Purdy didn't make those mistakes, and he got lucky on a couple throws. But again, the Cowboys didn't come through with the, with the play that defensively to, to flip the script. Um, but you're, you're a $40 million quarterback. You can't, you have to make other people better. You can't be. Well, they need other pieces around them. And they got rid of Amari Cooper, and they didn't really replace him. Uh-huh. They were still an offense that averaged more points in, than anybody in the NFL after Dak got back from the thumb injury. It was still an offense that was best on third down. They, they did all these things, and in the biggest game, the offense came up short. When the offense comes up short, you look at the quarterback, and Dak didn't play well in that game. I don't know whether the Cowboys' own website writes about it or not. They're telling the truth. He didn't play well. Yeah. 
All right, uh, last question. I, I know it probably doesn't matter in the grand scheme, but the Cowboys are getting skewered for that last play they attempted <laughs> with uh, Ezekiel Elliott under center. It seemed that all that was missing from that play was the Stanford band. What what were they what were they attempting to accomplish? Have you seen that play run in practice? Well, not run in practice, but they did do a similar play to open the the season in in twenty one at Tampa, where they had a safety. Um, and now I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He he lined up as the center, so it is the Sanford band play. It's lateral it all over the place, uh, and and Zeke got trucked by the by the yeah. Niners defender. And look, what were their odds of getting anything done if you went sure. traditional there? Right? I mean, as low as it was, you know, you, you, the, the goal is to bring on another player that that theoretically can run faster than an offensive lineman when you're doing all these laterals, um, but. It never got past the first play where they threw it to <laughs> Perpin. He got tackled right away, so you couldn't even see how it would, what the genesis of it, where it was going. Like yeah. I've looked at the replay, I'm like, where was Turpin going with the ball after he caught it? There was no one coming underneath for a lateral. There was no one. It was just, a, yeah, it was all odd. But again, that they weren't winning the game. They weren't going to score a tying touchdown at their own 24 with six seconds left. Yeah. The bigger issue was Dalton Schultz getting pushed back and the clock running and then Dalton Schultz not getting his feet two feet down to where they could have at least thrown a Hail Mary in that situation. Yeah, so great point. It, but it just piles on the Cowboys because that's what everybody likes to do uh, when, when they have a play that no one has seen before and it just is so <laughs> <Right>. bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Todd, thanks so much for the insight and the time this morning. Really appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Todd Archer covers the Cowboys for ESPN.com. Never a dull moment, I'm sure, uh, in, in that job. Oh, Jerry no, Jones no, no. Fan base? Can you imagine covering that team? Because every day you'd have to monitor the hot take shows every <laughs> minute of them. No, I can't imagine. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we are halfway through on this Tuesday. Bick's going to kick off the second half with the blast next. It's Pickley Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.